Yo, what it is, y'all? Third Coast Space Radio, Season 5, Episode 41. You already know what it is. It's your boy's metaphysic. Hey, what's good, everyone? It's Kid Luna. And yo, Season 5, we made it back here, y'all. This time, we got Ryan Celsius and Back When to open it up for us. So without further ado, let's jump in it.
throw trousers in your face. You throw ass, make it shake, get your pay. Money on the floor all day, what you make? Cause every nigga in here wanna know what's your name. And your subscription for tuition, run your game. Pussy run the world and ain't gon' change. Cause I'm a dog, I'm a motherfucking rough ride. And that nigga long, bitch, can you feel a truck size? Nigga, put your paws on the floor and I'm a bust all. And they make these hoes like phones, bitch, you charge every minute, get your pay. Me, yeah. he ain't even nourish me. Yeah. He can never be with a, a 
nigga that nourish me.
are now listening to Third Coast Base Radio.
Yo, that mix was beautiful. Super OG status. Really appreciate the time. We got back when on the hotlines. Say what's up to the people back when. Hey, what's going on, man? Thanks for having me on. Yo, really. Thank you so much. I enjoyed that a lot. So let's just go ahead and hop into it. Who's back when? What's your background? What's your story? My story? Shit. Uh, man, I'd say with music, I, I, I grew up playing sports, you know, and I, I didn't really connect. I don't think with music until, you know, around middle school and then high school, I, I really got into music and quit all sports and, you know, got, got into making beats and like hearing music differently. And so I'd say since about like freshman year of high school, I, I kind of switched into music and uh i uh i first i mean it was like edm at first but then i quickly got into like soundcloud and like trap on soundcloud like 2014 15 and uh that's kind of where kind of where back when was born was like that era and then of course got into the the whole funk thing a little late then purple posse happened and then uh yeah, man, I don't know. I uh, don't know how much detail I just went into. Like, a <laughs> yeah, I was like, you just, you just gave me like a, a nutshell. Let's kind of like dive a little deeper in there. So um, like you say, high school was kind of when, you know, you picked up uh, the doll. So did you have any like, um, I guess, musical like instrumentation beforehand? You said you were playing sports before. So uh, when you quit sports, did you kind of like pick up an instrument or kind of like what was that like moment during freshman year? Uh, that kind of made you pick up the doll. I I had messed around with FL Studio before that, maybe for like a year or two, but like here and there, like I don't even think I owned it or whatever. Um, so like I knew about it, but I I don't know. I think I mean I also started smoking pot in high school, so that definitely changed my nice my uh, my mindset. You know, hearing music and everything. So I. Um, no, I didn't. I didn't. I played drums a little growing up, but I didn't have like an instrument. I just, I, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I was into bass music for a long time. And uh, I just, uh, I don't know. I guess I gravitated towards like sampling towards the beginning of like back when. Um, but I was always doing like messing around with keys on the side, but I, I didn't learn about scales or. I didn't really know what I was doing until like 2020. So kind of just, you know, picked it up once you got inspired through that, like, you know, 2014, 2015 SoundCloud era, and you're kind of just messing around FL Studio for a little bit. So what um, what do you feel was the moment when you wanted to kind of get serious with like the Backwind project? I, you know, I'd like to kind of dive a little bit deeper into that and kind of go into like what was the creation of uh, purple posse and things like that. So like what kind of started that, you know, journey into the back when project, do you remember? Um, I remember having like a few aliases before that where I was making like all kinds of music, but like when back, when I first made back when I was making like sort of like electronic, like trap stuff. Like it wasn't really hip hop at all. Um, but I think 
with back when like taking it seriously like honestly like probably like a year or two ago when like like i always did it and i always took it seriously but it wasn't it was never like my main thing because i was pretty young throughout most of it like i'm 24 now but i've been living on my own since i was 18 and uh i never i never really thought like i could do it I still don't do it. I do music full time for a living. And like, I see, I see the path and I can like see it in reach. So I think I'm getting there, but like taking it seriously is like a, as like a career and like all that shit is like, honestly, in the past couple of years. Nice. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because I mean, I, I'm not too entirely sure. I can't really perceive when it kind of broke on the like the I, I don't even really want to say like mainstream timeline but you know i remember it listening to those kind of like fucking trap playlists with all the fucking you know badass samples overlaid on some real fucking nice beats like that's been going on for a while so um, oh, yeah. especially with like the fucking you know trapping in japan and shit like that so i kind of like wonder like at what point well, that's, the thing. that's the thing is like it's always like it's a thing online and there's like a community for it online on the internet it's just like i think in the past couple of years especially here in denver with the shows we've been turning it into in real life and everybody's starting to meet people in real life and it's not just like a an internet thing anymore exactly yeah and, and that's that's kind of the thing that i'm most excited about just to kind of see something that you know has been its own you know aesthetic reaching out to you know those real life crowds so um tell me a little bit more about like the formation or like you know what what started uh purple posse and shit like that because you you know that's one of the samples that you always hear on the tracks throughout that so like what was your involvement in it and like what how did that like come into fruition yeah so i've, I've probably told this somewhere before but pretty much like the whole timeline was me being on soundcloud and like finding like i discovered funk on soundcloud when i found like 666 or apollo and uh, a siri which is like kind of weird like i was pretty late to that shit but I found them and started making it and finding other artists and shit. And uh, a group that I listened to a lot was Wisher Boys, who is uh, three or two producers or three producers, and one of them also was a rapper. But they uh, they're called Swisher Boys, and they had a, like t- like beat tags they would all use on their tapes and shit. And I thought it was so cool. And I was like, I'm trying to have some shit like Swisher Boys, you know. So I, that's pretty much when the idea came in to like make a group and I just hit up like two of the only people I knew from the scene, which was a Siri and Paolo and asked if they wanted to start like a little group, kind of like Swisher boys and they were down and we made like a little chat and started making beats together. And then I just naturally like they invited, like I'm, I can't remember like, who came in what order, but it was all over the course of a few weeks. It was just like, then there was like nine or 10 of us and that was Purple Posse. That's fucking crazy. It's interesting how an idea kind of forms and then like manifests itself into 
because I can't tell you how many times, man, I've been driving on the highway, listening to a fucking playlist, lighting up and shit. And I'm like, Purple Posse, I'm like, fuck yeah, this shit's lit, man. So <laughs> really, it's, it's, it's good to kind of hear a little bit of backstory behind that. Um, like what inspires like your personal soundscape? Uh, you know, like what particular artist um, kind of brought the back when, you know, sound into reality? If you could name a few. Yeah, I feel like I have like a couple different or a few different sounds that I that I make like my like wavy trap stuff that has like no rap samples in it. Um, I would say a lot of that is inspired by well nowadays like Everest and Necros and uh, Sway Fifty Five like those dudes inspire me a lot with that sound and uh yeah and then this summer i went on the tour with rock celsius so i was made a bunch of i tried to make a bunch of like harder like funk stuff to play live and that was kind of what uh smoke and mirrors it was and then uh yeah dude i don't know like i've i think just like soundcloud is like what inspired like everybody and then like just you just hear a bunch of different like people's sounds and you like copy and then eventually you make your own like use it in your own way and then you have your own sound right um, definitely how do you how do you feel about i mean there's a lot of like dissension about like how people feel about soundcloud right now because a lot of people saying that it might have lost you know maybe you know what it used to be kind of the golden air but then you have other uh people saying you know if anything it's getting better than ever how do you feel about that because i honestly like i love going through i'll i'll take a couple of months off soundcloud and then i'll just go through like a straight up you know soundcloud surf down the rabbit hole where i'm you know searching through everybody's likes and all of a sudden i'm listening to goat samples from africa somewhere and shit but like (laughs) you know like how do you feel about that um i definitely think like soundcloud in like from like 20 13, 14 to like 2017 was like prime just because like when you like reposts used to mean something on there. Like yeah. now like your your feed is just like a bunch of bullshit that you don't even like back in the day, like I used to get on SoundCloud every day and scroll my feed until I reached where I was the day before. Like, I would listen to everything on my feed. And it's because, like, people only, like, reposted shit, like, when they fucked with it or they was their homie. And, like, like one repost could, like, shoot your shit up, like, crazy. Like, your numbers. Yeah. And, like, I don't know. It was just different. Like, Yeah, it used to for sure be, like, the number one go-to place where I used to, quote-unquote, like, crate dig for inspiration. Um, but now I definitely see myself like kind of going other because I feel like everyone kind of got maybe kind of stuck into the like the distribution, you know, cycle. People are more worried about their songs getting on Spotify and shit like that and mastering and luffs and things. So people aren't necessarily worried about being experimental and shit like that. So, really, you like, know, back in the day, like people would just post whips like like a, yeah. like, like a fucking like a like a 50 second whip and like that shit would have like 10k in a couple hours 
Yeah, that like and straight like, up. That was nice like times. <laughs> yeah, it used to be different. Like, like now everybody, now people like treat it like another platform where they try to make it, like me included, where like it's like more like aesthetic. Like your profile like looks all clean. Like, like it used to just be fucking whips and like remixes and like weird shit. Yeah, it's it's interesting to see the evolution. I'm hoping maybe somebody comes out with another platform that kind of just combines everything that we need. Audius was doing a good job there for a second, but then I don't know what the hell happened. So it's a whole yeah, thing. Know, that's weird. <laughs> like, right? like Spotify is cool, but like the only thing I'd say about Spotify is like it's such there's like this weird medium between like you and them where like you can't like customize your shit. Like yeah, page and like it's weird. So let me ask you, like, um, being on this path, you've been doing this for a little bit and been inspired by music for quite some time. Um, and you say, you know, this isn't necessarily even like a full time thing and shit. You kind of got something that you're doing to help you get through. Um, but do you feel like you know, like opening your eyes towards like music? on this path as an artist, do you feel like it might've taught you some lessons that might've otherwise not have learned beforehand? Uh, open my, like, what do you mean? Like, you know, just on, on the path of a musical artist, like shit you see out on the road or, you know, experiences you may have had, like, do you feel like you might've seen or learned some shit that you might not have otherwise learned before? Oh, I mean, yeah. Like, just even this past summer, like we did the tour. It was only like four weekends, but it was like four weekends in a row, like a couple shows each weekend. And like, yeah, even that I could see, I could see how like being on like a real tour, like a crazy tour could just be exhausting and also amazing at the same time. Like it's crazy. Like, and, but when I mean, it's real like on a bus. What's up? Were y'all on a bus traveling and shit? Oh no, we were we were fine. We it was the, the tour was put together like it's like the one of the first tours of its kind. I mean, it was like one of the first funk tours, and they were trying to book the cities. Like cities weren't always all next to each other, pretty much. But I mean, like learning, like I guess if like if I were to tell somebody that's like. I don't know, wants to, wants to kind of follow the same path as me or like join me on this path would just be like, anytime you're doing any business or like doing shows, no matter how big or small the show is, cause like a lot of them are small, you just be fucking nice and just be cool to whoever's doing the show and whoever's running the, the club because it just goes a long way like that shit comes back around like just there's like so many artists that are difficult to work with or like not cool to like have at the venue just like be cool and that shit will come back around that's just one thing i would say nice yeah that's a really great piece of advice uh especially for someone who's you know touring all over the place a lot of people might like kind of treat that like oh i'm fucking here just for one night and shit but people don't realize the bridges they might burn you know, doing that shit. And then you might have to come back around to that city again. And all of a sudden, no one wants to fuck with you. So 
Yeah, really good advice. I don't think I've actually heard that piece on uh, on here. So thanks for thanks for saying that. Um, I was, was going to ask you too. I was going to lead into that kind of question. Like, since you've been doing this, like, if you could go back ten years and give some advice to a producer or some shit, you know, trying to do this. So yeah, really good on you on that one for sure. Um, so let's kind of hop into your mind as a producer. Um, a lot of people kind of like these questions. Um, so like, what's your favorite doll? What do you use to kind of make your beats and shit? So I started on FL studio and I used that, um, probably from like 2013, 2014 until 2020. And then I switched to logic and I've been using that ever since. Nice. So let me ask you if you've kind of been, since you've been in multiple dolls, do you feel like they're kind of like just a tool that they all do the same things or do you feel like some have you know better capabilities and processing certain things than others how do you feel uh i would say for the most part like i mean they all do the same thing it's just like technique like different techniques and different workflows for the most part definitely so what what it, what would you say like if you had like a go-to like vst or do you have like a go-to piece of hardware did you kind of pull up in all of your tracks to kind of get the creative uh, juices flowing? Yeah, I'd say some of my go-tos as far as instruments would be Serum and Omnisphere and Arcade are probably my top three. I also use Pigments. Nice. Uh, I haven't heard of uh, Pigments before. What is that? That's like, it's. I think it's kind of more low-key. I, I don't even know. I think I've I don't know where I heard about it, but I think I, you can like pay for a monthly with splice or something. Oh shit. That's what's up. Okay. So what do you normally like when you're looking for samples and shit? Like, do you go crate digging? Do you like go to like record stores and shit to kind of find some of those samples or like, uh, do you just kind of find everything on the internet? What is your process behind like kind of finding shit to throw in your tracks? Um, Nowadays, I, I'm either making the melodies myself or I'm, I'll cut stuff up from Splice or cut stuff up from Arcade. I'm glad that like you or, you know, a lot of people like to talk shit about samples. And, but I, you know, I've had a bunch of uh, producers on here recently with this uh, past season before this upcoming season. Um, they, they glorify splice. I have been, I went through the sound library when they like first did their shit and it was just kind of like a little bit too overwhelming for me. So I didn't even give it a go, but like, how do you feel about the, like the splice library sounds and like finding content online through like the cloud and shit? Dude, it's just a matter of being creative with it. Like if you, I think it's mostly useful if you have like in my workflow, I'll, I usually do, I'll make a drum loop before anything. And then I'll kind of have that loop to just re- repeating. And then I'll go on splice or after I maybe get a layer down of like a melody or something. And then I'll go on splice and like look for little layers and I'll like chop them up. And like I'll very rarely just drag in something from splice and like pretty much leave it. Like I'll always try to chop it up, reverse it, do something with it. Like, right, so make it your not- own. Yeah, like make it make it unique. But yeah, it's, I think it's just about how you use it. Like I would, I think the best way is like having having 
something already done and on repeat, like a, some drums and maybe a little melody and then go on there and then type in like your BPM and then your the key that your song's in and then let your song just play on repeat and like go through the sounds and like hear them on top of your beat. And then you can kind of hear what sounds good and then you find something, drag it in and then chop it up and make it work. Like, yeah. And, and let me ask, like, when you prepare for your DJ sets, because this is something that has been a little bit new, seeing as how, like, the, the genre itself hasn't necessarily been out on, like, the mainstreams. Like, when you're DJing on, like, CDJs and shit, like, how do you prepare for your sets? Like, when you, whenever you're, you know, on the road and shit? Um, so I have, I just have one huge playlist of all my music. It goes from, like, 115 BPM or 110 to up to like 170. And uh, I just pretty much freestyle within that every set. I'll kind of have like shit that I'll do. Like, uh, like I'll, if I find like a cool mix, I'll do it like, I'll do it like every set, maybe. Or, like, you know what right. I mean? Like, I'll, I'll have I like, go-to. yeah, I have like go tos, but. I just have a big playlist that I DJ from. That's what's up. Yeah, your your sets are fucking dope. And like I said, it's been kind of new, you know, hearing that genre being played out loud. So I always wonder how those sets are, you know, prepared versus, you know, versus when you're about to just kind of upload, a, you know, a yeah. long mix onto the internet on YouTube or some shit like that. So it's so, interesting to hear that. Yeah, so like, I, I will say... I do kind of prepare all my songs like on my USB and I'll put like little intros on them and outros that are eight bars. And then that way I can pretty much mix the same way every track. I'll just mix the last eight bars with the first eight bars in the next song. And like a lot of people mix like that, but uh, I'll just kind of like make it easier for myself that way. And then if I'm doing a mix for like like this one I did for you, I'll actually do it in Logic, and I'll um, drag in songs, and then I can get even more, make it even more seamless. Nice, that's awesome. So this is a new question I kind of been asking um, artists just to kind of get to know the mountainside of their like musical lives, but like what are what are your hobbies and interests and shit? Like, what do you like to do? Like outside of creating beats, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, pretty much sit around and play video games. It's kind of my lately is my thing. <laughs> um, but now aside from, aside from video games and I just work, I make donuts at work. Um, I just hang out with my girlfriend and, Travel when I can to play shows. That's what's up. I don't, yeah, I don't do a lot. I mean, I guess I, we do have a lot of, of homies here in Denver in the in the scene and just from music. So, like, hang out with them or fucking go to the park, throw some frisbee or some shit. Yeah, it's a it's it's almost like it's it's a, such a spoiling living in Colorado with like all the shit that's possible to do whether it be nature or go out like music scene wise like one weekend you want to be 17 fucking different places at once and you just can't and uh yeah you know it's it's interesting to kind of hear like what what the musical artist crowd sort of does in their free time and shit uh um, yeah, I, mean, 
I honestly don't do a whole lot. And also I don't have a car, so I, I'm kind of limited. Right. I feel you on that. Yeah. Your fear just you can get around with the public transport and the metro a little bit. It's definitely harder to get out to those further places for sure. Yeah, especially the fucking airport. <laughs> right. So um, it's kind of another like a philosophical question I've been asking, but like, do you feel like, you know, you're kind of on like the, the path or trajectory that you envision with yourself? Like, are you kind of like satisfied with your current goals and dreams and ambitions? Man, I would say I'm pretty satisfied. I don't have nice. Like I, I really can't complain. Um, I, I never did a whole lot of like. I feel like I envision things a lot, but I don't. I don't like have goals necessarily. Um, but I would say, I would say I'm more than like happy with where things are because like. I never, I mean, even like a couple of years ago, I couldn't, I never would have thought I would be getting like being able to play live like this kind of music. And like, I never would have thought like music could be my thing, my full time thing in this like scene, like with the funk stuff, you know, and with the wave fam. And like, I just never thought like, I thought I could maybe like branch off and like do something with music and like get a career, but I didn't think it would be just like, I didn't think it would all just work out like this. Definitely. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, with your project and with what y'all are doing with the vision, like, you know, kind of bringing uh, a new wave of a lot of, you know, classic shit kind of back into the mix. Um, I think a lot of people are taking notice of that y'all injecting you know life and personality into something that was you know once just you know collecting dust for a bit so i think a lot of people see that and a lot of people see that you are kind of true to your vision your sound and you know i I think that shit resonates and it will radiate and manifest in the ways that it's doing now so man keep keep fucking doing what you're doing the sky's the limit for sure yeah, I appreciate it, man. I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep doing my thing. Hell yeah! So, what do you got kind of like going on in the future? You, you know, you said you got some tracks that are coming out. Um, you got like some mixes. You got some more mixes or like fucking shows you're doing. What do you got going on in the future for the project? Yeah. So, rest of the year right now is looking like. Well, today's Saturday. Yesterday, me and Escape dropped our EP. Um, it's on SoundCloud and Bandcamp called Ice Walk for fire tracks. And then here, I think next weekend, yeah, the 21st, I'm playing in Pensacola, Florida at a festival. Nice. Called Rolling by the Bay. And it's actually put on by some homies. And they, yeah, it's going to be crazy. They got, uh, currency and riffraff and currency's bringing his cars out and shit. Uh, and hell play. yeah. Yeah, it's like on the water and shit. It's gonna be crazy. Um, so I'm excited for that. We're gonna spend some time down there too afterwards because we got some homies playing. We got Everest there and Rectangle um, and Corey Wasabi Jackson's coming down. Nice. So we're gonna have some homies. Uh, Ryan Celsius is playing too. And so, uh, yeah, we're going to be chilling down there in Florida. And then 
a couple weeks after that, we're, I'm playing at the Ogden here in Denver with Escape. Um, really excited for that because like it's gonna be a it's like a big ass venue, so it's, it might be the biggest one I've played so far. Um, we're opening up for one of the openers for Super Task, and then uh, the 10th November I'm playing in Fort Collins um, at the Atrium, and then. Uh, December 3rd in San Fran for Closey's event. Me and Escape are doing another back-to-back. And then I think that's it for the rest of the year. And then me and Local Stranger are going to be dropping the EP before the end of the year, too. Hell yeah. Yeah, that sounds like a fucking full calendar. Like, keep that shit up. Hell yeah. Yeah, dude. I, we did the tour, and then now I had like a, a while to chill. I've been chilling for a couple months. You know, I'm ready to ready to do some shit. So where can people find you on the interwebs? What's your location, your ads, your zingas and things? Yeah, I'm I'm pretty much everywhere. Uh Spotify, just look up back when, one word. Um Twitter and Instagram, um back when with three N's. Um yeah, just look up back when on Google and you could find me. Hell yeah. Yo, well, I really appreciate you taking the time for, you know, sending your mix over and all of that. Um, just a couple more. This is probably the favorite part because, it's, you know, an infinite loop of musicians. But if you could shout out some people to throw their tunes on the Third Coast Space Radio, who would you shout out? Someone to do a mix, you mean? Yeah, someone to do a mix, someone to be on the show to represent their art on the space, definitely. Dude, uh, all the homies should be on here. Man, I don't know. Yeah, it's hard to pick just a few. Um, Oh, shit, man. I will shout out... uh, I will shout out Neon Body. It's my label. Me and my homie Watermain. We uh, run it. Maybe hit up my boy Watermain for a mix. He's a legend. We grew up together. Uh, Waterman, I got a shout out my boy Mingo. Shout out to Jordan. Big Sock. Uh, shout out Everest. Shout out Necros. Get all those boys on. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we had uh, we have Mingo on last season. I think he was uh, one of the starts of the funk, the funk uh, umbrella for sure. Um, oh, hell yeah. The boys over at Harmony Haven uh, recommended so yeah, the the umbrella has definitely been kind of trickling down for sure. So trying to get everybody everybody's art on the podcast just to have a platform for people to find music. And like I said, I really appreciate you taking the time to do what you do and give us a little bit of your art and talk, you know, about yourself as an artist. So thank you. Oh, dude, thank you for having me on. I'm uh. I'm probably I'm a bit of a quirky interview, so I'm sorry, but <laughs> appreciate <laughs> uh, you having me. It's totally fine. Um, so at this point, I kind of just want to give you the mic to drop a little bit of last words of wisdom to the producers out there that you inspire, you know, artists out there that are listening to your shit and, you know, just anyone that that's interested. Shit. If anybody's listening to me, then. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, 
Uh, man, anybody who fucks with my music, I appreciate you a lot. Um, any producers who are looking for some words, just just keep doing your thing, and then lanes will open up. Work with your homies and try to open those lanes together. And yeah, man, just just be genuine with, with whatever you do. I would say that's at the top. Yo, great shit. Back when I really appreciate it. I know you got a busy day ahead of you, so I'm gonna let you go ahead and get back to it. And we'll talk to you soon, yeah? Hey man, thank you so much. Rocket man,
Robin in a limo. I'm the fiddler on the roof. I'm sending 50 out the window. Used to work got five below, but now I keep got five below. Them hearts cold, well they melt. Robert Frost, it doesn't explode. Them boys suck to each his own. They try to slide. Epic poem. So if it's smoke, then let me know. They drop the post. The post, the post. I'm Tom Hanks. Every off gon' walk the plank of coral springs. Masked up, I'm looking like I robbed banks.
on. Yes, sir. Them niggas gon' pull up and L at this shit. It's together, won't fuck with you on. Uh uh, I don't do the fake kicking. They go a rocket, it's taking it. It's a problem with you, then we straining it. Swap out the cap with a demon in it. Upgrade the band up with fiends in it. I got some shooters you seen with me. We're running shit back, I just seen ten. We gonna get straight, straining, straining, straining. Yeah, straining, straining, straining. Yeah.
push a bubble if you try some sauce. Stand up, stand up. I say some, I stand up. Stand up, stand up. These niggas don't stand for shit. These niggas don't stand on shit. These niggas don't stand for shit. These niggas don't stand on shit. I do some, I stand on. And I'm standing on wags, bitch On the sign, y'all niggas slide with them hundred rounds Soon I got straight in the bag, bitch If you want smoke, let me know I'ma beat down your block just so we can match shit I ain't capping on no west, I ain't capping on bottles Just know this shit facts, bitch Bitch, standing on business I was on 14, had four stock on that Top four wheel was switch Tell the truth, you don't like me Cause a nigga real out here, fuck you, nigga, bitch Mention my name, another song for the gods Something else gon' come up missing If you know, you know, nigga, know I'm dropping Move, do 
worst, most dead, west, hot shit. Calm down, get back. Get on people got this. Game pop, rock shit. Come on, pop, shit. We won't stop shit. Everybody move. Two words, BK, and what I bet stop. Too hard, too hungry, too many. That's why these tricks, no kidding. Damn, no, no, Every trip is one way. Everybody move. Two words, most dead, black, hot shit. Calm down, get back. You know people got this game on lock. Come on, come on, we won't stop. Everybody move. Let's go, yeah. Smoke out the pound when I'm chillin' Trappin' I made me a killin' Look, I got everybody wishin' I hope you play your position I don't want nobody listening. I see them hoes with precision Givers my only decision Younger no one that back callin' me splurge Drop 
me drunk right off the curb. Yeah. Bentley spread fly like a bird. Spin on the first and the third. Yeah. Solid, I'm keeping my word. Can't be my equal, I don't know what you heard. Yeah. Crank up the four and I swear. Keep me a stick if they purge. Yeah. yeah.
gang outside. Don't come out the house 'cause the gang outside. Gang outside, gang outside. Don't come out the house 'cause the gang outside. Can't see my car that get the plan.
Yo, that mix was absolutely banger lasagna sauce. Thank you so much. <laughs> I really appreciate it. Everybody, we got your boy RC, Ryan Celsius on the line. Say what's up to the people, Ryan. Hey, what's good? What's good? Uh, glad you enjoyed the mix. Glad you enjoyed the mix. Yo, really, thank you. appreciate it. We're talking to, in my opinion, one of the fucking legends uh but let's just go ahead and jump right into it um who's ryan celsius what's your background what's your story uh i mean i guess that's a big question but i think um you know uh, most people know me from from youtube uh primarily from uh the probably in the funk community from the visual mixtape series trapped in japan or high at work um and more broadly from a lot of the the early lo-fi days and things like that 2014 2015 um what we called the the blaze bus which was soothing lo-fi beats 24 7 set to bus rides across japan um and then ultimately that kind of spiraled into um you know a, a whole wave of 24 7 lo-fi hip-hop channels and experimental uh, waves on youtube so i would say uh i'm more most generally i guess um a youtube video creator curator record label owner person <laughs> is, is the short story <laughs> Badass. Yeah. So let's kind of like dive into that a little bit. Like when you first like kind of got involved into like the musical, like did you have any um, like uh, a classical music background? Did you band or choir or anything? Like what kind of got you involved in the music space? Well, I mean, I'd already, already always loved music and was composing music at a young age because I was a, a pianist uh, with a nice. heavy focus on just classical piano. Um, and it's a passion for mainly movie soundtracks and things like that uh, early on. So I was always sort of into music and that was my just sort of initial segue into it. Uh, I never really was a part of bands or groups or choirs or things like that. I prefer to kind of be solo and that lended itself a lot, um, you know, during that time to a lot of the production hardware and software becoming more about a single person kind of navigating them. Um, so around, I guess, the early, early 2000s is when I started to have actual contact with production software and things of that nature, like early, you know, reason and, and, and logic and things of that nature. And um, I kind of leaned into that and did a lot of production, you know, during those those early 2000s uh, into the, the mid 2000s. And I would say that that's that's that would be my proper introduction once I started meeting people that actually you know, did, did mixing and mastering and understanding what those things were. Uh, that's, that's when I felt I had a better understanding of kind of just, you know, how music was created professionally. And I, I kind of got into that at that point. And, you know, from there, uh, I did, definitely took a break in between like the, that time and now. Um, but I think that's, that's how my, my genesis started with really getting deeper and deeper into music. It started at a young age with just the passion for, you know, composition and, and playing different instruments. But then it later became about production and then melding production with music production with video production. And it kind of just grew organically from there. Awesome. That's a really cool origin story. Um, I, I like that, you know, you say music is kind of always been there in the background and that you have like the classical training with the piano and things like that. Um, one question about that. Do you feel like, you know, kind of having that, I guess, education in the background, like if that wasn't there, do you feel like maybe you would have gone on a different path? Um, maybe, maybe not. I think, um, 
I think I, I think the story really is I, I did kind of go on a different path, you know, starting, you know, when I was younger and playing music, once I decided to go to, to college, there was a decision of, should I, you know, do music or go into computer science, you know, or in, in, in engineering. So I chose computer science and engineering at that time because I was also passionate about that and at the time heavily into video games and gaming, um, which was, I wouldn't say unusual at the time, but it wasn't really a thing at the time. This is like early 2000s. It was kind of rare to for someone to be traveling to video game tournaments and things like that. But I was sort of super deep into that. So I had a shared love of multiple things. And I kind of chose gaming and computer science and, and went heavy into that, you know, during that time. And then music just kept just coming up, you know, and I started to see that they were all really connected. So I always tried to find connective tissue between, you know, those, those things. And ultimately, it kind of led me back here. So it's it's interesting to whether uh, if I would have leaned in and like majored in music and became a music teacher or something, whether that would have made me more into it or less into it. So I think the pressure of doing it without some sort of like financial or professional um, ego trip involved makes it, in my opinion, makes it easier to to keep it as a, a hobby or something that you love especially in the early phases where you're kind of just ultimately you're practicing and learning a lot, you know, it's good not to worry about so many different things. So, um, yeah, so hard to, good question, but I would say it's hard to say, I would say maybe, maybe, maybe not. Right. No, that's uh it's, it's, it's really, I've been kind of diving a little bit deeper into like the philosophical psyche of the artist as the seasons progress, just to see, like kind of how they feel because we have artists that, you know, are on their musical journey and might not take it as seriously because they are in a position where they're working on like an engineering degree or something like that. So I always do kind of like ask that question. Um, so like, you know, moving forward now that you've had the composition and instrumentation, you're kind of like exploring the scenes a little bit. What brought the um, like RC Ryan Celsius moniker? Like what brought that project into i guess from you know maybe an idea into fruition what was the process behind that i mean the process was just um exceedingly organic you know the the whole idea of it initially was the name itself was from a dream that i had in college the resulting the usage of it wasn't really for music at the time it was more for you know, games and things like that, that I was, I was playing, you know, that would be Ryan Celsius my username across a lot of the professional games I would play, um, you know, like Starcraft and, and things like that. And to me, it was just, yeah, I had this initial concept of, of the monikers being like evolutions, you know, every, everyone loved at the time, everyone grew up with the nostalgia of Pokemon and the idea of like uh, the evolution of a name means, means something. And so literally my my username for most of the games and even I would make music and things, but it didn't make sense to, you know, it wasn't like I had an artist name attached to it. It was just the thing that I created because I wasn't trying to sell it or anything. But I would just go by my my given my given name, my given government name. Right. And, you know, I felt like Ryan Celsius, that was an evolution of my sort of existing persona. And then the idea was I would continue to like evolve the names that I would use as I will get, I don't know, for example, better at a particular game or better at whatever I was doing. And to some degree, I think that's still true. I think there's still like an evolution of what I'm doing. And, you know, perhaps I'll change the moniker and the persona, you know, to some degree to, to match that. 
But um, for me, I think um, at this point, the moniker is definitely something that grew really organically. It wasn't really planned out to be a part of, you know, hey, this is going to be this YouTube thing and I'm going to make this so I can get here. It was, you know, hey, I have a YouTube channel where I want to find great music and I want to learn how to edit video and direct music videos and do that and then find a way to promote my own music eventually, right? Because I think the early experience of making beats and making music was that you no know, one really wants to hear it, you know? that That's the feeling every artist feels, like no one really wants to hear it. It gets five views, you know, you yourself and and uh, two of your friends maybe, you know, and, and that type of thing. And it sort of evolved to, okay, well, I want to just build a platform that I could promote my own music and all the music that, of all the people around me. And it wasn't really a conscious idea of, hey, this is going to be what the Ryan Celsius thing is. It was more of, this is what I want to exist. And from there, having that center focused allowed it to grow very organically without any, without mudding the waters in terms of like the philosophy of it and like why it is important to me. So none of that's really muddy as a result of keeping it organic. And the pitfall is, of course, when you do it that way, it's not going to happen immediately or in some magical amount of time. I mean, I guess in retrospect, it took, you know, relatively long time for people to uh, to enjoy it or say, hey, this is something that's happening. Um, so that's so that, that's kind of some perspective on it. Does that does that make sense or? Definitely. Yeah. And it kind of segues into, you know, kind of like my next question, but like. With with and I just kind of want to comment on you saying like you did everything organically and it was something that you wanted to do and like something that you wanted to provide because it was what you like to do. Um, and I just feel like a lot of artists get kind of caught up in that <clears throat> playing the game first before, um, you know, learning the artwork or the passion of it, if that makes sense. How do you feel about that? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of confusing information out there, you know, and there's a lot of different everyone's in a different situation, you know, but I think overall, in terms of longevity, in terms of artistry, there has to there's a certain amount that has to be given to the actual creation of what you're doing, you know, and other factors come into play like, hey, like in the example that you mentioned, the first thing I think about is the artist that wants to to blow up on social media before they even have a, a track. Or before they even have a skill set, to even to be honest, you know, their their goal is to hey, I'll get really popular, and then I could just do whatever I want, and then it'll be cool, and people will like it. And you know, from a you know, and that's not like a dumb thing to think, right? That's not like a, a unintuitive, but in from my experience, that is more difficult for many reasons than people think, because I've met a lot of people that are exceedingly popular on social media, you know, millions of followers on Instagram or, or, or et cetera. But the creation of what, what they want to do perhaps is, is be a, a music artist and not, not all, that doesn't always translate, you know, depending on how you built your marketing and things, if you built your marketing to be, to make memes and you have a huge meme page or something like that, you might think that you have a lot of influence but the people that are tuning in aren't really there to listen to your music per se, or to see whatever art, other artistry that you have to provide. So I would say that it, it's not illogical to to try and put the I guess the cart before the horse in some ways because it, it can work sometimes, 
you know, but ultimately you have to actually be the thing, right? And you can't really be tuned into other people's expectation of what that means, right? You have to be in tune to, hey, I, I know what I can do and why I'm doing it and and be really attuned to that. And if you're really attuned to that, you, you'll ultimately be successful, period, right? If you do it the other way first, uh, you, you're, you're gambling and you might end up with nothing. Whereas if, you know, you go in there and you have a, a will to basically better yourself or increase your own capability, become the expert at the thing you want to be, right? Um, then even if people don't fuck with it, you know, you ultimately will still have those tools, right? You can, you can try something else with those, these tools that you've developed for yourself. So I'm always more in favor of that than, Hey, let me blow up and be viral and try to get this thing. And you know, yeah. what people don't tell you is, but then what, <laughs> right? So you go viral and then what, like, what, what do you, you know, what's your right. body of work that you have to offer, you know? So that's, that's kind of my opinion on, on that. That's a really good question. Let's talk about first, like, kind of like, what what artists were you listening to that kind of like inspired your soundscape? In terms of the the internet music scene, I guess so. The sounds my soundscape I feel has evolved over time, yeah. um, but I would say in general, what is the deepest inspiration has been from early projects like um, I don't know if you're familiar with artists called Girl Talk. Girl Talk was. Um, Okay. He was a pro- producer and he made, yes, he would call it plunder phonics. There wasn't really a name for what he was doing at the time. They just called it mashups. But, you know, it really was more well-defined than that, in my opinion. And it was very, very sample heavy, um, just beat creation. You know, you take five or six tracks, you know, mash them together, cut them, chop them provide you know melodies from older tracks mixed with you know great drum programming and make some make these very unique soundscapes and i became obsessed with sort of that concept um as well as um you know other other more experimental things as well during that time like the early um uh early stuff from like flying lotus and stones throw that hip-hop element but also from Art super ambient projects like uh, uh, artist Sigur Ross, um, huge Radiohead fan, um, huge three obviously three six Mafia um, and uh, eight ball MJG, Pastor Troy, um, all all that that gritty down south stuff at at the time and even now obviously I was super into and and so those things are just in a melting pot, right. Uh, in my, in my brain, along with I, I'm obsessed with movie soundtracks. You know, I'm I'm the weirdo that that watches the credits to every single film. You know, from you know from the all the way to the end, all the way to the logos and the copyright. You know, because I want to hear that extra bit of the soundtrack from the film or from the score. You know, and so for me, um, that's kind of broadly speaking, like my my influences sort of sonically, and that's what lends itself to. I think a lot of the, the type of sounds I'll select and why I select them um, is really around uh, really around that type of thing, you know, um, which which I find is is, is kind of liberating because it's, it's very flexible. It can the song can be very simplistic or it can be very complex. It can take you on a, a winding journey, you know, but the feeling can still be the same either way. So um that's that's kind of sort of my influences 
on what I'm doing now and what I've kind of done over the last few years has been a lot uh, from from that from that definitely. And also, I uh, shout outs to to to, to uh, VGM music. I love video game music. You know, old school like like the, the Ridge Racer soundtrack, like the the soundtrack to you know almost every fighting game, Capcom versus SNK. Guru marketing wolves, you know, Street Fighter. I mean, Street Fighter three, um, or, or Third Strike specifically, but also Second Impact. Great jazzy soundtracks and bumps and things like that. You know, juxtaposed with these, with the sound effects and all of that. You know, that to me, those are almost like ad libs, right? That's why I use a lot of like fighting game ad libs in like my live DJ sets. You know, like a Mortal Kombat katana scream or like. Um, uh, Street Fighter 2, like block noise, you know, will be, you know, put in as almost like an ad lib, things like that. So um, I would say those are my like my primary kind of influences, you know, in short, you know, not to get too detailed, but that, that's what I would say. That's super awesome. Like kind of just all over the spectrum. So I hope that the listeners do a little digging or hopefully find some inspiration from what inspires you. Um, so I kind of want to ask, like, you know, obviously you said it was you had early composition and classical training with piano and things like that. And then, you know, you're exploring yourself, but can you like boil it down to like a particular moment, maybe when you were like, this is what you wanted to focus on at like, while you were working on maybe, you know, your computer degree, computer science degree, and you're like, well, I actually want this. Like, can you boil that down to a single moment where you like meet the decision consciously? Uh, to some extent, to some extent. So the the time frame is long because because I'm old. <laughs> no, I got you. you know what I mean. So I'd already you know left school and had been working in um, you know in the industry for a while, um, about eleven years um, in medical as medical software company that was a startup and worked there for about eleven years um, and and did you know almost every role almost every technical role at the company from, you know, mainly quality assurance and software, uh, software and hardware quality assurance to managing teams and, and things of that nature. Um, and so at the same time in tandem, what I would do on my free time would be, you know, finding music, enjoying music, you know, practicing new tools that would come out like, Oh, they just, they just dropped this, this plugin. Oh, let me try that, you know, with no pressure. Right. There's no there's no pressure to, hey, produce this thing or do whatever. It's just, hey, go and play around with the tools and make whatever you want. And so I use that opportunity to to do that in the background. So I was never really stressed to make a decision and say, hey, I'm going to be all about the the music now and or all about this and that. It was more of like, OK, well, I have this going on in my life and, you know, it's going well. I have this other thing on the side that I'm also really enjoying. And I like at the time, I like keeping them in there. There are different boxes. I, I would say there was a moment when I decided to to go more into one than than the other. I would say, um, or at least I thought that's what it was going to be. But it was a transition from working in software development, you know, after all that time, to working for a music distributor, which is a Muse, um, based out of Sweden, and and doing work for them as an A and R. And um, I would say that would probably be the most significant decision. In terms of, hey, we're going all in with the music, you know, getting a job within the music industry, which uh, initially I thought would be very different than the software industry. But at this point in human history and definitely moving forward, um, basically everything is using software or 
yeah. or that to, that skill set. So that skill set is just you know completely translatable to to every any company. You know, if your company doesn't have a website, it's probably not a company. You know, that is like almost what everyone thinks at least. So, yeah. um, so moving forward, that you know that that's a huge part of all these businesses. So when I went over to work with them, and I realized that you know it was it ended up being a, like a really good fit, and I used that opportunity to learn about all the mechanics of the music industry. I didn't understand exactly how distribution worked. I didn't understand exactly how publishing rights work or how people make money off of their royalties or how does, uh, you know, what is YouTube content ID really doing when it says, Hey, this, this is going to the copyright holders. Who's managing that? How does that work? You know, how does a song become popular on Spotify or Apple music versus you know, social media, what's the difference between those things and how do you use that knowledge to your benefit for yourself and, and your homies to, to be blunt, you know? So, um, I guess the moment when I realized that, you know, when I decided to, to quit that, that job that was going really well and, and go over to music distribution and, and get that new education, I would say that was sort of a turning point, but it was more of, I don't, I guess I don't really think about it as turning point of I'm all into my music. It was more of I'm, I'm back in, I'm back in study mode. I, I got a lot to learn, right? I need to, to get, get smart quick and learn how the music industry actually works in the streaming music era. Right. So I can actually, cause people were at that, at this point, people were already, I was already known for trapping in Japan and the YouTube channel already had hundreds of thousands of subscribers and artists were already hitting me up asking me how, how does this work? Right. How do you ask me for tips? Right. So I had to actually go and learn all those things and live it so I can actually give them the real information on the ground. So for me, that was a turning point that happened kind of slowly over time when I realized, OK, this I'm doing a different thing now, you know, and it's it's more aligned with my, my hobbies and things I was into before. And so, yeah, so that may not be the cleanest answer, but. Uh, that's to me that's that's really how it worked it wasn't a single moment it was a combination of things i would say right definitely an amalgamation but it's good that you had that you know that transition into where it was kind of like a hundred percent basically what you were focusing on and that it provided you the opportunity to you know dive deep into really understanding the business side behind it, which kind of takes ways into like my next thing. I know you've been doing this shit for a while. Like you said, you're one of the OGs. Um, I think you're one of the OGs too, but like if you could go back 10 years or even 15 years and give yourself some advice or like, is there something that you learned doing this whole shit that like that sticks and resonates that you might want to, you know, tell other people, like if you could give one little piece of, knowledge you know what would that be uh i would say don't really waste time on um trying to fulfill the inevitable sort of gatekeeping needs of a community even if you create that community or or of even your peers to a to a degree and I think like when you're coming up in, in, in anything, whether it's music or gaming or, or video production, there's there's there is like almost an implicit level of gatekeeping that occurs to try to box people into specific roles. And uh, over time, you can kind of start believing that that's how it actually should work. Like I, I'm a music producer, so that's all I am. Right. <laughs> that that's that's, you know, and people like believe this. 
so I was like, hey, you should you should try DJing or you should try do you know making video. People will act like it's you know an impossible feat when realistically, you know, we're all just pressing buttons and looking at a, a, a illuminated box. Okay, you know, like you're you're more extensible than a, a single using a single app to do a single thing right at this point. And I would say, you know, I definitely got caught up in that at first because I would take it personal. You know, someone would say, Hey, you know, I would say, Hey, I like to create these images. I'd say, well, you're not a graphic designer. You shouldn't be doing that. Right. Or, Hey, I, I love to produce music. I'll make all these tracks and these beats. It's like, Oh, well, you're not really a producer. So you shouldn't be doing that. Right. Or, you know, and, and, and so on and so forth, you know, so there are always, there will always be sort of this element of, you know, proving something to an ambiguous group, whether that group is your peers, which you respect and you want to prove something to them to some degree, or whether it's complete strangers from, I guess, like social media or something like that. And you, you can some, you'll, it's easy to start caring about what people expect from you. And I would say that in general, that, that holds you back, you know, like over time, if you look at it in general, it holds you back on in the long scale. It's always better to lead with doing something that you feel is interesting, innovative, and then, you know, people will, will come along with you ultimately. But if you kind of kowtow and become whatever you're kind of boxed into with your peers or with your group or your community, whatever the case, then, you know, you're not really investing in something new because people will get tired or not necessarily tired, but they'll get accustomed to having you in a very specific role. So I, that's what I would say in short. Um you know, don't allow yourself to get boxed in by your own ego or by um, the the ego or influence of of other people, which is definitely easier said than done. But at least thinking about it as like, hey, this is a thing that exists, I think could definitely help, I guess, inoculate people against um, that particular pitfall, which could be detrimental. I've, I mean, I've seen people waste years because they're they're so heavily focused on being a specialist at something um that they don't enjoy or love really you know which is, it seems foolish but it's hard to see when you're in it so I, I definitely understand it as well yeah that's a super great piece of advice i think like falling into a label especially at the earlier stages of your careers it could be incredibly detrimental one thing i've noticed about a lot of people who are you know carving out their own niche or like you know super successful in what they're doing is that they are their own bosses and like all of those paradigms of what's necessary so that they don't have to, you know, wait on somebody to make a master. Or they don't have to wait on someone to graphic design or something like that. Like you can be a jack of all of your own trades if you so choose to be. Um, so I think that's a super, super great piece of advice. And I appreciate that. Um, but let's dive a little bit deeper into like your mind as a musical producing artist. Um, uh, producers love this part. Um, so I would just kind of ask when you're making music, like what's your favorite doll? Do you have a go-to, um, you know, like what's your favorite one? I use Ableton primarily. And, um, and recently I've been using Serato studio and, you know, for me, I just love the tools. I love I've used basically every doll, I guess, um, except for, I haven't really used Cubase at all. Um, but, Basically, every every other doll I can think of, I've used it at one point in time. And, you know, for me, I, I just feel like, you know, just staying as a, as a student of these things, you know, is really interesting to me, you know, and 
I feel like that's what's necessary to to get to different levels. So like right now, one thing that's I think a lot of people ask me about is is like specifically production, you know, because I don't really release and pro- produce things and release them um, in like the typical way. I, I would say, I guess, you know, I I try to basically be a conductor, right? So if I get a mix and someone submits me a track and the track is completely undermixed and and wrong i'll clean it up and make it make it what it what i think it should be and to just you know put it out in, into a mix and have it live on the mix and people enjoy the mix right that's enough for me we don't need to do a label deal on on the track or say it's produced necessarily by ryan celsius or anything like that you know so for me my my workflow and production i think is is based purely on how much can i learn how much can I gain from creating this thing or this experience? How interesting is it? You know, and I think leading with that, it gives me a lot of like self satisfaction and gratification, I would say, because I feel like every project I'm I'm a part of, I learned something new. You know, I may not, I don't really need to to program the drums for a project because, you know, I, I you know, that's a foregone conclusion, but maybe I need to be able to master it really well. You know, maybe I need to dig in and understand how, that is a such a crucial part, you know, cleaning up the track and, and making sure it's it's exactly how it's supposed to be, you know, or maybe my focus in this time won't be any of the, the musical aspects of the track will be a, a focus on making sure the visuals are tight, you know, things like that. So for me, uh, I would say Ableton's the one that's the most extensible for stuff like that. You know, I, I can a lot, some of the visual mixes, I'll make the I'll, I'll make the mix in the DAW. Um, I'll make it in Ableton or sometimes I'll make it within the video editor even. Um, and yeah, so my workflow is kind of all over the place sometimes, but it's based really based in how much can I learn? You know, that that's what gives me sort of, um, the gratification the most, you know, beyond, I would say even like the credit or, or things like that, that's l- kind of less interesting to me. That's more of like a construct of, Hey, you know, uh, you know, some ownership is a construct of, Hey, people need to make money off a thing. That's really ownership. Isn't really about artistry in my opinion. You know, it's about people need to make money and survive and all that. And that's, that's great. I'm, I'm a fan of that too. But, um, really, I think my philosophy is around how much can I learn, you know, working on a project. So sometimes I'll do things in a weird way just to, to get that knowledge. I'll use, you know, uh, a, lot, a lot of people love FL and FL. I loved FL as well. Like um, back in the, the early, you know, mid two thousands, and everyone had that same cracked version. Um, you know, and then later on, you know, things it got better and better. You know, which I didn't expect. Um, so sometimes I'll go back and just try to do something in a different DAW, just because I I'm curious. You know, right. and maybe yeah, maybe I can 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 do it better than this. Maybe, maybe these. You know, this isotope plug-in is better, you know, here than it is there. Maybe I need logic for this to, you know, get these, record these vocals or whatever, you know. And so um, that's how I kind of think about it. I guess that's a, that's a messy answer. But production-wise, I like to keep things just fluid, you know, and not, again, not be so tied down to these, like, rigid ideas. Like, hey, I'm a, I'm a producer. I use FL Studio. I, I do this. I have this set up. This is how I do the side shading, blah, 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 you know. And that's just... <laughs> Like that's that's interesting, and it's like that's like part of the 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 one hundred and one, you know, the ABC one two three of learning a thing. But I think keeping in mind that hey, to elevate, you got to keep your mind open and and say hey, maybe maybe making the best thing involves 
something outside the box or something a little bit more interesting, something that you can gain something from. Um, and that prevents you from getting into those, those, those blocks where you're stagnated, where you're just staring at the doll or just staring at the computer, hoping to get ideas or you're just thumbing away at, at the same old patterns over and over and not coming up with anything. You know, I think that's how that happens, you know? So, so that's, anyway, I don't want to ramble on. I, I didn't mean to ramble. No, I think that's, yeah. I think that's good shit right there. You answered a lot of the questions that I think, you know, uh, a lot of like a uh, producers, like you said, they might get stuck in that. I produce solely on this. Um, and I, I like to think that each DAW has its own capabilities in certain areas that need to be explored. Like fucking the FL, like those upgrades, the FL is kind of nutty right now. You know, if you want to fuck around with it, but uh, yeah. Ableton and logic, they're all doing the same thing. And this is why I kind of ask producers, like, do you feel that it's just a tool or do you feel like you can do the same shit in each DAW? And it's like, it's not, the amount of crayons you have, it's what you do with the colors, you know, the colors that you have. Right. So um, it's, it's just, you know, I, I like to ask that just to kind of get, you know, people's opinion about that. Um, so and my next question is like, you know, you got a blank doll in front of you. Do you have like maybe like a go to, because, you know, people like to hear this too. Like, what's your process? Do you have like maybe a go to VST or a piece of hardware that you just prefer to use that makes you semi comfortable, you know? Uh, I mean, hardware-wise, I have uh, like a, a Novation touchpad and a um, a, a Kai uh, MPK, and I guess those, those. I mean, I love the the feeling of the pads and things. So I'll load up a yeah. bunch of samples and ad libs. I mean, mainly now I'm just like I just make like a bunch of kits that I'll use or whatever for like live shows for like ad libs and things like that. And really, that's to accentuate existing songs and things for example so i'll uh, and i'll usually set that all up with i would say the the, the mpk the akai the, yeah, the the akai that's what i that's the most consistent thing i would say i use throughout the setup okay. in terms of the sounds and getting kind of kind of ready you know i'll, I'll have that as the one consistent piece of hardware um the the novation i think it's the eight by eight like touchpad um that's more of I, I like I love to use it, but I think I don't get inspired by using it. That's usually after I've been inspired and I'm kind of running on an idea. I'll start bringing in other things. But usually, you'll start with just that, you know, that what is that octave, like two octaves or whatever, on that at a, a Kai and PK, and that'll give me enough sort of ideas to say, hey, either this is what I want to make, or I've I think someone else has made something like this. Let me go find that thing. Or, you know, that'll give me a lot of the ideas there. And then also I'm very, and I wouldn't say like synesthetic or anything like that. Or some people would say that, I guess, maybe. But a lot of times, instead of staring at the dog, just I'll watch video, you know, and be inspired by video to create a sound for that video. And then I'll let that lead me, right? That's kind of how the bus videos or what became of like the lo-fi blaze bus era was me literally just watching bus videos for hours and hours and then thinking about what i wanted to hear on the on those bus videos and things of that nature you know um thinking back to my previous previous jobs you, you know decades ago you know as a bus driver you know thinking about what i was listening to and i was listening to ninth wonder um alchemist and stuff like that and this is like in 2004 or yeah, it makes yeah. Around two thousand four, I was like listening to that type of stuff, and so for me, seeing something visually automatically give me a an idea of a sound, 
And then I'll go to the, the MPK and I'll go to Ableton and start just dumping random waves in there and loading up the MPK and playing with a bunch of ad libs and samples. And then usually at this point, like uh, I would say that usually inspires me to to go then go back and dig on Bandcamp and SoundCloud and hit up all my submissions. So I'm getting tons of submissions. I'm like, damn, I want to make this crazy baseline that does this. And I think, damn, but someone else already made that. Let me go, <laughs> let me go see what they're doing. Let me go talk to them and, you know, and, and, and build a bridge with another artist, you know? And so a lot of times that's what will end up happening. And to me, that's, I mean, that's, that's more beneficial, you know? Definitely. So this is kind of a controversial question that I love asking because I just love the varied opinions on it. But seeing as how it seems like you're very, you know, you kind of explore and you tinker with like fucking everything that you feel will make your shit better. Like when you're preparing for a set or like, do you feel like um, a DJ or producer needs to be like highly skilled in both before they decide like if you're a DJ, do you need to be able to have your own ori- original music? Or if you're a producer and you're up there DJing, just train wrecking each transition. Um, do you feel like you need to be skilled and competent and those skills before you decide to, you know, show yourself to the public? Uh, I would say, I mean, I think you should de- develop a skill. Is that skill going to be the thing that everyone else really pays attention to, you know, I think, I think a lot of times producers, especially producers and DJs, they end up trying to do things for their peers and not for the people that are listening to their, actually listening to their music. If that makes sense, you know, mm-hmm. um, like for the fans. So like, especially in the, the DJ world, I think that people focus on things that, that are more about, I guess, staying true to the art form or whatever the gatekeeping thing is now. Like, for example, there's a huge stigma around, um, for example, on a DJ controller, most DJ controllers, with Serato at least, and I think Rekordbox perhaps, there's like the sync button. Oh right? yeah, the sync. Yeah, right, the sync. Right. It's, it's, it's like a, a dirty, filthy word to some people. And I understand, <laughs> I understand that. You know, if you spend a long time like really developing, I guess, your specific skill. On the vinyl beat matching and all that. Yeah, yeah. on the vinyl beat matching. And I think that's great. You know, so, um, but at the same time, you know, there's a little bit of, you know, what I call eating steak with a spoon, you know, where it's like you're doing something purely for the reason of you like the way you're doing it. It's not having a tangible, it could have an effect on the outcome, you know, but likely it's not that dramatic. So I feel like having an understanding of how beat matching works will make you a better DJ objectively, you know, understanding, you know, just like understanding music theory will make you a better producer, you know, definitely. All right. Playing an instrument will definitely potentially make you a better you know, all around producer as well. But, um, you know, I've, I've met plenty of incredible producers that neither can play an instrument or I really understand music theory from my point of view, I would say, right. right? But they've mastered that they're incredible at, at fucking Fruity Loops, right? They've mastered that tool. Yeah. Right. You know, and so I think being like I mentioned earlier, like being flexible around that those ideas is very important, right? There's, I think people are having in their head, there's a checklist 
for success as a DJ or as a producer or as a whatever, right? And it's not really. There's milestones that you can have in terms of skill, not uh, exposure or whatever, but in terms of skill and capability, there could definitely be milestones, right? But to say, hey, I'm I'm not ready yet, so I won't go and do this, um, I think is something that will will continually hold you back more than it will 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 help you the majority of the time. Because I think people, the reason people say that is they're afraid to go out there and, and look stupid, right? They're afraid to, you know, get on a DJ controller and, hey, go up and, and mess up, right, in front of other, fan, you know, people or in front of their peers and their peers judge them for that, right? I think that nine times out of 10, that's going to hold you back. You know, yeah. I, I guarantee if you, if you go out there and you fuck it up, you definitely won't fuck it up again, <laughs> you know? Um, you'll, you'll go out there and you'll learn, learn a hard lesson or an easy lesson or, or whatever the case. And I think action is always better than inaction in terms of, of, on that front, because, you know, inaction breeds that mentality of, Hey, it's supposed to be like this. Hey, it's supposed to be like that. And then fast forward and you're probably going to be gatekeeping someone saying, Hey, you're not. Your trans your transition doesn't sound exactly like I read in DJing 101, you know, and it 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 should be like that, you know, and you know, and then to me that's like kind of ridiculous. How are you going to innovate when you're you're sitting there, you know, with the, you know, with the the book strapped, excuse me, with the book strapped to your chest, you know, like it's 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 not to me it's just it's obviously not realistic, but I think it gives people a lot of comfort, you know, to. To, to have like pretend like there's some rules to the game. There's no rules to the shit. It, how how it sounds and how it comes off and making something incredible, that's the only real rule. You do that, then who no one cares whether you made it in Ableton or, or Fruity Loops or whether you, you DJed on vinyl or you did it all digital or with CDJs or whatever. Does it, does it sound great? Is it is it incredible vibe? Is it all those things that actually matter? And I think moving into this, you know, we're in the midst of a technological revolution, you know, moving into that, you know, sure. I think that would become very, very apparent, you know, that the means of execution is not going to be that important anymore. It's going to be more, it's going to be even more niche than it is now, you know, sure. um, this idea of it's supposed to be like this, right? Pretty soon you'll, you'll be able to walk up there and describe a song and it will generate the song. And then you describe the better you can describe it will be the, the new way so uh, close to that, right? Like this AI shit. Yeah. I was messing with a Google AI and it is scary. Like it's not like, you know, some crazy like high fidelity sounding shit. But if I say, hey, I need a lo-fi like A bar jazz bit, it'll give me just mm -hmm. that. And that shit's nuts. So <laughs> Absolutely. Imagine imagine the time that that saves, right? It's not I mean, yeah. obviously like the low-hanging fruit of like people like, oh well, now I can just have it make something for me and I put that out as mine. It's like, I guess you can do that, but how uninteresting is that? You know what I mean? That's like, that's super uninteresting. Like every, everyone can literally do that. So I think the, the real thing with that, with that AI revolution is, Hey, now you have way, way, way better tools. So now you can make something super complex, yeah. right? Right now you can really build right now instead of, Hey, I can release a, a lo-fi EP of like 12 beats you know, and, you know, comprise of maybe like four or five samples in the same six drums, you know, not to disrespect that, you know, because that's, you know, that's, that's still a vibe, but now you can construct a, you know, a, a tapestry, you know, yeah. you can, you can construct something so incredible because now your palette is constructed 
from more complex parts, right? So I, that's what I see for this whole AI revolution. Some people are like, oh man, it's taking away from whatever. But like I mentioned before, that's those are people that are married to the execution of what they're doing, which they've cultivated over years. And, you know, I respect that. But, you know, you can't fight the future, bro. <laughs> for real. Like the future will be here no matter what. And I, I honestly, I, I think the digital revolution, I can't wait to see if I can even five, 10 years from now. That doesn't seem like that far, but shit's going to be nuts, you know? So I'm really mm-hmm. excited to see that. Um, so I've been asking artists this with the new upcoming seasons, just because I don't know why I've been asked before, but people kind of want to know a little bit more about like the personal life behind the artists. Like, I know you, you fuck with music, you love computer shit, video games, things like that. But like, what, what are your other hobbies like outside of like, you know, what do you do to kind of like get your shit going, you know? Hmm. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, there's the gaming of course, but now that's, that's all news. I think everybody games now. I mean, that's like a, <laughs> That's like a, that's like a cool thing everybody does. Um, you know, I think, what do I do? I go to thrift stores a lot. I love I love to thrift nice. mainly for old hardware, um, VH sealed VHS tapes, um, old analog gear. I love to oh, tinker around with stuff VHS? like that. That's wild. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you can you can get a lot of stuff. I mean, especially at the thrift stores because people, you know. Sh- they they move out their house. They have a bunch of old tapes that they never they got at some point. They dump them off. You know, you get a combination of some sealed tapes, some unsealed, some home movies, things like that. I love taking those like and TVs and shit. Oh yeah, yeah, and definitely. You know, the good t- the good tube TVs and those those high those high high beam CRTs um, and and all of that. So I I go at least I'll say five to six times a week to to a bunch of different thrift stores to see what they have you know i love laser discs a lot of people don't know what laser discs are but you know <laughs> find a lot of laser discs at at the thrift stores and those are things that are not maybe not obviously but you know are completely out of print you know can't be created again the the last laser disc factory is like got destroyed like 20 years ago you know um and so i i really have a, a love for all all that analog stuff. So I'll, I'll do that in my free time. Um, you know, and uh yeah, yeah, just just traveling and 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 all of that. I, you know, I definitely have just a passion for the analog here and the art. So I, I mean at this point I just I'm it's all consuming, I would say. It's mainly what I do majority of the time. And then of course uh, my work with the Muse as an A and R, um, you know, doing deals and and things like that um, has has definitely been, um, you know, really beneficial to the point of, you know, something I, I enjoy doing. And uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I would say I would say, I mean, uh, not what you see is what you get. But to some degree, I kind of outline like who I am through the, the YouTube channel and, and things of that nature. You know, the things that I enjoy, why I enjoy them almost and what I feel about them. I kind of try to express through the videos and maybe a, maybe a subtle way, maybe an obvious way sometimes, but, um, you know, obviously a huge passion for, um, for comics and manga and, and anime and, and, and all of that. So I'm, I'm consumed by that as well. So, so yeah, yeah. You know, I guess no surprises there, you know, I guess like one thing I've been asking too, uh, you've been doing this shit and this grind for a while. So like you're fucking, you're doing it, but like, are you satisfied with the Ryan Celsius project? 
Uh, so how do you mean satisfied? Um, I don't want to say content because that kind of means like you're okay with where you're at, but like with with the way things are going, like do you have a smile on your face? You know. Oh well, yeah. I mean, I'm. I would. I would say. Um, you know, the whole situation is is exceeded my expectations of of I guess the expectations I had at, at any point really. You know, um, I never. I'm. You know, really considered performing live for example and you know now i'm doing that i never really initially never really considered hey i could be a record label you know and now that's happening so for me it's all about as long as there's motion i would say i'm i would i would i would say satisfied you know and i think um every year there's there's been these milestones that maybe i'm even discovering them as they happen but milestones nonetheless to where I could say, hey, I did this this year. This is a big step from last year, you know? And when I'm in that situation, I feel very, very satisfied. So I think the last, you know, since I started, you know, doing the, the A&R and, and working, you know, more full-time on YouTube and music industry stuff and entertainment stuff, um, there's constantly been each year a big step that was made. You know, there was a big step of, hey, I'm, you know, performing for the first time in, in public, you know, in front of a thousand people, you know, that's, that's a big, I felt like, okay, that's, that's a step, you know, and there's, okay, well, we hit uh, what 50, 60 million on Spotify. Okay. That's a, that's, that's a milestone. That's a, that's a thing. Hey, we worked with this artist or that artist, or, you know, like uh, we I did this collaborative, I guess the best YouTube promo at the time you know, that possible, like I had a collab video with Will Smith on his, on his YouTube channel for lo-fi hip hop stuff, you know, at, at that time was okay. That was a big step. And from there I was able to, you know, talk to their teams and trying to work with them and get into a different space. So for me, it's, it's all about looking back and saying, Hey, am I farther along than I was? And as long as the answer is yes, I'm pretty satisfied. You know, it doesn't have to be, Hey, you're, you know, I'm, I'm a very patient person, you know, I don't need to blow up you know, immediately or anything, or, you know, anything like that. Right. I'd rather just build something brick by brick to a point where it can't really be taken away. And I think that's my overarching goal with, the, I guess you would say the Ryan Celsius project is to, to build it brick by brick, you know, track by track, note by note, you know, whatever frame by frame to the point where the amount of accomplishments or um, growth can't really be nullified um and that just means doing something new every year so i feel like i've, I've for myself i'm not sure how it, how it looks or anything like that but for myself i feel like i've done something new to challenge myself every year and it's been successful more or less and yeah so i feel satisfied with that i'm, I'm happy with the community that's been built i'm happy that you know funk is a thing now you know i felt like it was pulling teeth to get it to become a recognized thing you know we Got this finally got the Spotify playlist. Now we got the updated Funk Origins playlist and people are getting, you know, they're really getting it, you know. And uh, you know, that was a very that's a very conscious effort that has to be taken for for some some of the steps to happen. You know, so for me, yeah, I'm very satisfied with the community that's been built around this underground shit and you know, visually and and sonically. Um, so that's what I would say. So in, in, in terms of that, I'm, I'm very satisfied with, I guess, the Ryan Celsius project and, uh, you know, all the, 
all the momentum and all the, the inspirations of other people coming into play now as well. So I'm, yeah, that's what I would say. Hell yeah. That's a great answer, man. Like I said, you, you're a fucking huge inspiration. I, I really appreciate what you've done, what you've generated and what you continue to do. It's fucking inspirational to me and a bunch of producers. So I'm honored to have you and back when open up this season's like episode. So like, seriously, thank you for all you do. Um, where can people find you on the interwebs? Obviously it's probably not that hard, but if someone wanted to look you up, what did they need to type in? So fortunately the name has maintained some uniqueness over all these years. So Ryan Celsius, C E L S I U S. Um, if you Google it, it'll be every result that comes up will definitely be me at this point. It won't be, it won't be anything else, but, um, I'll be on Spotify under Ryan Celsius sounds on Instagram under Ryan Celsius. Um, same thing everywhere. You know, I, I try to keep it easy. Um, and, and yeah, yeah. I try to spread the name over to every possible platform. Um, nice. so yeah. So what, what do you got going on in the future? Do you got some projects coming up, some shows, some new music, some streams, some mixes, what do you got going on as far as like what you want to do? Oh, well, right now I'm really focused on um, some of the, the an AI project right now. I, I heavily believe in creating film, you know, very cinematic, very authentic looking film, utilizing what I call the tools of our time, you know. Um, and I'm working on expanding some of my existing projects, like the Trapped in Japan project. Um, you know, I really want to expand that to um, a set of, a set of vinyls, cassettes and VHS, um, that we can, you know, distribute and, and give to people. Um, but also do it in a very innovative way using new tools. So, you know, I really want to construct, a, you know, a, a motion picture, um, quality film, you oh, know, yeah. around some of these, you know, visual mixtapes and, and, and give them, uh, infrastructure and story that's, um, right now it has those things, but it's a bit more abstract. Um, you know, I think and now I really want to focus on honing in on that, using everything I've done um, to make sort of a magnum opus of sorts and then get more involved within like the art installation world, you know, because I love shows. But I think that, you know, you're still even limited doing a show right during a show. If you say you're a producer, or a DJ, the idea is like, well, you stay. And you stand on the stage the and you use the turntables. <laughs> yeah, you don't. You use the turntables and you do the thing, you know. And and that could be cool and that could be performative, uh, you know. But I feel like there's also other avenues and ways, you know. Like I like the idea of like doing a set in an art gallery, or in you know, and doing doing you know doing an art installation where you just you build something and that something is is playing the music, but it, it make you know not being so married to these these singular ideas, you know, shows make, I guess, technically make more money. Right. So it's like, Oh, I should just do shows only. No, maybe there's, you know, a, a better way, you know, to not make money, but to, to elevate the art or put it in different spaces. Maybe that needs to happen too. Right. Okay. To give other, other artists a pathway of like, Hey, it's more than just, Hey, do a DJ set. It's, Hey, we want, we want these producers or these, these artists to come and be part of our modern art gallery thing. Cause that's what it is. It is modern art, right? The, the look, the feel, the vibe, all those things, you know, let's expand upon it. So my goal is to expand upon it, you know, so that two, three years from now, 
And, you know, it's going to be more than just EDM artists that have, you know, groundbreaking laser projections. And it's more than just A-list, you know, every artist, A-list artist and EDM DJs that have groundbreaking visual presentation at, at huge festivals and things. I want it to be these underground artists that have that capability and and have the forethought to say, hey, that's that's something that I can do. And my the way I, I'm going to do it is going to be different than, you know, I guess like Marshmallow or Dead Mouse or some some EDM guy. It's going to yeah. be with our style or my style or it's going to be a different experience, but utilizing those same tools. So that's what I so I'm working on a combination of those things right now to make sure that that's a reality that, you know, we'll we'll live in, um, you know, in terms of the scene, I would say. You know, just try to keep keep raising the waters. Don't have it focused on a singular individual and things like that, because I think that's really how scenes die, in my opinion. You know, people want to create superstars within within the within the waves. You know, but really, it's it's not really about superstars anymore. It's about having a bunch of solid stars. You know, just solid, super solid people, and those waters can be raised so that you have a ton of those. And then when you hit that saturation of you have a ton of great artists, you know, and, and options for people to dig into, that's when I think everyone within a particular scene starts to win and become something that, you know, is more artistically viable. And fortunately, I think more financially viable too. You know, when you raise the waters for everybody, not just a handful of people are, are going nuts and, and killing it. You know, that's not really that interesting to me, you know. Um, so, yeah, so I'm trying to solve that problem and um, do it in a very artistic way by bringing things forward and, and changing how the art is presented as well. So um, that's that's the plan. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, guess. yeah that's, uh, I mean, I'm honestly I'm I'm here along for the ride. And I cannot wait to see what you do to change the scene moving forward. I've been here and I, I'll still be here. So. Again, super fucking honored to have you and to like just be able to decode the mind of an artist a little bit and kind of get to know you more personally. So thank you. Um, uh, my favorite part of the interview is just asking and to kind of expand the universe a little bit more for Third Coast. But if you had a couple of artists, producer, musical friends that you might have, you know, want them on the show at some point to showcase their art and talk about their lives as an artist. Who are a couple of people that I should shout out? I mean, of course I got to shout out the people I'm, I work with on my label. You know, I got to shout out, you know, Full Metal Parkers, an incredible... I think this is a guy that's just so talented, you know, um, because I think a lot of people know him as a rapper, but they don't realize he's also a producer, incredible producer. He's also the, the director of a lot of the music videos he does. You know, to a point where I mean, his editing is 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 top top. He actually is the one that put me onto using the the analog glitch gear because I didn't know how he was doing a lot of his effects. He would have these very um, detailed glitch effects and things like that. He put me onto hey, there's there's these devices that people are making homebrew style that actually do this. And you know, so I have to give shouts to him because I think he has just a breadth of knowledge across a bunch of different shit. And I think that's really important um, in terms of, you know, funk producers. Um, I would definitely, you know, uh, I think you've, you've you just you just did Beck, of course. Um, yeah. But um, I think you, you got to get my boy Anocalypse on here. You know, okay. you got to get you got to get Anocalypse on here. 
because I mean, what what an incredible example of you know, you mentioned something earlier about a producer, producers DJing and, you know, having, you know, all the, all that, all that stuff. This is a guy that is so performative, you know, during his sets, he'll have, he'll have the crowd, you know, just ready for his next track. Just, just, just jumping around ready. He'll nice. do call and response. He, the energy is there. Everything is there. You know, it's, 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 it's definitely, it's definitely something that needs to be talked about. Because I think that's what maybe some of the guys, as some of the people uh, producing need to hear to get them over that threshold of, I'm only going to produce, I'm not going to, you know, present it in this particular way. Like, I think his experience will, will, will help, will help them a lot, I would say. So I, I know that's something you're looking for from the, from the, the interviews and stuff. I think, so I think Anocalypse would definitely be big to help. Um, and... I'll just keep it. I'll just keep it at the two. I'll keep it at the two. There, I mean, there's plenty of okay. incredible people. Obviously, you know, uh, Vaughn as well. Vaughn went on tour with us. Vaughn Storm, that is, went on tour with us. Um, you know, for the end of Underground. Um, bad kids, good people, like I mentioned. Um, he, he's a great guy. Um, very, very solid. Very knowledgeable. Um, I would say also, um, Saint Pond was incredible. Uh, Everest, um, yeah, I, I mean, uh, rectangle, um, yeah, I would, I would say though, I mean, they're, they're just, you know, the, these are guys that are in it right now. They're, they're out there, they're doing it. They're producing at a high clip. Um, I think, did you already do Mingo? Yeah, I've had Mingo and Rectangle on the on previous season, and yeah. they shouted you out actually, and that's why oh. I was I was like, shit, dude, I don't know if I'm like you know big enough to talk to RC, but I'll go to the show a couple times and try. <laughs> so I'm glad you know they shouted you out because I wouldn't have had the you know the gusto to do the shit anyway. So that that's kind of one of those divine synchronicities, you know? Absolutely, absolutely. Well, I guess I guess I, I paid it I paid it back to them. <laughs> I didn't, yeah, I didn't know they they shouted me out like that. So, but yeah, um, obviously they're they're incredible as well. So I would say yeah, yeah, get Vaughn and get Enoch on here, man. Solid, solid guys with with who are super sharp, you know, super sharp, and uh, have a lot of experience in the game that 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 they can give. So that's what I would say. Yeah, badass. Yeah, I'll definitely get with you after this and get that info so I can reach out to them most definitely. Um, but yeah, that is. Like this, this has been a great interview. I really appreciate it. Um, I would like to let you get to the rest of your day and enjoy it. Uh, I just want to kind of give you the platform to kind of drop any little last words, whatever you'd like to say to the audience listening to um, anything that you might want them to hear. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. Thank you for your time and um, you know, stay flexible, you know, don't, you know, don't, don't get married to all these gatekeeping ideas. Um, because there, there are no rules. There's no rules to none of this, you know? Um, so keep that in mind. And that's sort of the nature of the underground. Um, so yeah, that's, that's all I got to say. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, appreciate you guys listening to everything and, uh, yeah. And, and appreciate you having me on this interview. Hell yeah. Thanks, man. I do appreciate it.
And that's Third Coast. We out. Yo, so there you have it. Third Coast Base Radio, Season 5, Episode 41. Be sure to like us in the respective artists involved, as always. Yo, happy Dia de los Muertes. Happy Halloween. Happy spooky season. Oh shit, I guess it's the fucking holiday season now. Anyway, you guys have a fucking good one. We'll talk to you soon, yeah? Bye. Blau. Pow.